As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Gravity Leadership is a growing network of people who believe the center of the Christian life is the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ, and that learning to take love seriously is vital for how we practice discipleship, mission, and leadership. The Gravity Leadership Podcast explores, in practical ways, how to root our lives and our leadership in this love that holds all of us and everything together. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. I'm Christy, and I'm here with, you always put weird names, <laughs> J- Jiggles don't, don't. McWeirdo. Don't, don't say it. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know how that got in here, but uh, my name is Matt Tebby, mm, otherwise yes. uh, known as Matt Tebby. Yeah. Yeah. And Ben? And Ben yep. doesn't have I'm, a weird I'm, name. I'm here as well. Yeah, Christy's referring to the the software we use to record this, and uh, we can you can give yourself you t- you're supposed to type in what your name is, you know, mm-hmm. for the rest of the people on the call. Yep. And um, and yep, we put in funny names sometimes. Just to, we do, just and for, actually, just I'd... for our entertainment. Sorry, yeah. I but shouldn't now, have now said for that. Yours but... as well. <laughs> we're giving away all of our trade secrets. This is how it's done, guys. This is how you do it in the podcast. Well, and part of me thought we'd just restart it, but we didn't. So here we are, no, friends. No, we're not no. restarting. Here we we're are. We're not restarting. We never restart. And sometimes we do. <laughs> <laughs> yes. How are you guys doing? Um, pretty good. Yeah. I'm. We're recording this uh, right before, a day before I'm going on vacation. Hip, hip, hooray. Um, Yay. So I'm excited about vacation. Yeah. It's um, good. Yeah, are you going to read? Yeah, I probably will. I always I always have, I don't know if you guys have this problem on vacation, but I vastly overestimate. It does not matter. I'm telling you right now that I'm going to vastly overestimate my ability to read on vacation mm. and I'm going to bring too many books and I won't finish, like I'll hardly get through, you know what I mean? Yeah. And yet I'm, I guarantee tonight when I pack, I'm just going to pack too many books. So, but I do get uh, more reading done on vacation than I normally do. So I'm looking forward to that. It's yeah. good. I need a new novel to read. 
Uh, oh, I just oh, finished up. Uh, yeah, I just finished up. I always try to read. I always try to be reading one novel at all times. I, I'm I'm like many of you, perhaps uh, somebody who reads a lot of books at once. Uh, and one of them for me uh, is important for it to be novel. And I just finished up Parable of the Sower by Octavia Butler. Hmm. That's an intense one, guys. Yeah. Yeah. It was actually it was actually really difficult for me to read it. It affected my mood um, oh. severely. Wow. It's very bleak. It's very. Do bleak. you recommend it, even though it like did I something? Do yeah, I I think I do recommend it. Uh, it's 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 fantastic. She she was writing in the '90s and anticipated it's a, it's supposed to take place like 2025, 2027, hmm. um, and like hmm. the, some sort of uh, climate catastrophe has happened and oh. society has broken down, and uh, this young woman. Inventing a new religion and trying to survive and gathering followers. It's fascinating. Wow. But it is very, very bleak. I think that's why it affected my mood. Anyway, so I'm looking for a new novel. I'm hoping to start something on vacation. I can't um, give you any suggestions because oh, I'm just in school? school reading. And there are no novels yeah. in school reading, just as a heads <laughs> no. up, in case anybody wants to get unless, their doctorate. Unless you're an English literature major, like my right. daughter. I should have been. Yeah, she gets probably read novels all the time. Uh, yes. Anyway, speaking of not speaking of theology and ministry and books that aren't related to them, such as novels, uh, I wondered if either of you, Christy, you've said that you don't, you're not doing this right now, but I wondered if either of you, so Matt, this is maybe directed towards you, uh, what non-theology or ministry book are you reading right now that you're really enjoying? Um, if any. Well, yeah, thanks for asking, Ben. Sure. Uh Probably Binding the Strong Man, a political reading of Mark's Story of Jesus by Ched Myers. Does that count? That Nope, that doesn't count. That's theology. Oh, shoot. Um, silly <laughs> Jiggles McWeirdo. I'm being uh, a real Jiggles McWeirdo right now. Aren't I? Um, I tried to give you a heads up on that. Um, yeah, I'm reading two books that are incredible. Americana, and I'm, I would butcher uh-huh. the author's name, so I'm not going to uh, say it. It's a Nigerian woman, and it's a novel that she wrote in 2013. Just finished that. Really good. Okay. Uh, soup's good, as the kids say. Uh-huh. And then okay. I'm also reading a book called How Not to Diet, which mm. is written by a doctor named Michael Gerson. And um, it's a follow-up to his first book, How Not to Die. <laughs> he just added a letter. He did. <laughs> I don't know. His next book is going to be How Not to Diet. How Not diets. to Dieting. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, any, anywho, uh, I decided a few months ago that I I needed to start eating better, um, mm. and you know, there's like so many like fad diets and crazy ideas and keto, yeah. Atkins, Paleo, Neanderthal diets. So I just decided right. I, I'd I'd like to learn more about this. So mm-hmm. I I love it. The book is incredible. So I'm mm. I'm going to wow. probably put together a little uh, either Facebook post or. Something to summarize the things I've learned. Super. That's good. great. That's cool. I uh, I put some of it into practice today for lunch, Matt. Did I don't you? know if you saw. I poloed you about this, but oh, I. Um, you did. Uh, yeah, I put. You were talking to me about this book the other day. I and was saying uh, the key is just to is to eat fiber, eat high fiber foods. I mean, that's one of the keys. Right? Why? Why? That's why what I took ben? away from you. Why then? See if I can remember. Um, because that's just the way it is. Buddy, Jiggles McWeirdo, <laughs> get over it. 
eat high. Is that is that what you told me? No, I that think, wasn't it. I think that's uh, gloss. No, it has to do with your gut biome, right? It, it has to sure do with does. like uh, oh. the bacteria in your gut eat the fiber. Yes, they and they do. release uh, things. Things. I think things? that's the technical term mm-hmm. <laughs> into your body that uh, it, that help you in all kinds of ways that make you healthy. Yeah. Does so kombucha f- do that too? Uh, that's a good question. I haven't only gotten... if you're a hipster. I haven't. <laughs> In Colorado, we don't just eat oh, fiber. Yeah, we yeah, also you're in drink. Too. You're like a. Scared, we drink that's kombucha. Like a, yeah, you do. Every, it's requirement. For all states. It, do, it does things to the Fermented. inside of your gut. Yeah. Well, I've I've heard it does similar things. But anyway, I had I had a lunch today of uh, like broccoli and yep. sugar snap peas oh, and carrots and that's lettuce. It. That's it. And then some eggs. I know there's no fiber okay. in those, but um, but there's also no carbs, which, or you know, they're not processed. Yeah. Yeah. So. This has gone on long enough, but this is why I geek out on this stuff. So yeah, it's fun. Fiber, I thought fiber just kept you regular, you know? Let the listener mm-hmm. understand. But it does more than that because mm-hmm. uh, your your gut biome eats it. And then your gut biome, uh, the, the, mic, the microbial organisms that live in your gut re- eat the fiber and then release um, chemicals into yeah. your body that your body needs that helps your yeah. overall... Mood, attitude, immune system. I mean, the the frontier of neuroscience right now isn't studying your head; it's studying your belly, because yeah, crazy. they realize that all these gut bacteria are connected by this giant nerve to our brains. Mm. And so, yeah. I predict in the next thirty years they're going to map like people's gut biomes, like they map DNA right now, or they map genetic sequences. I think they're going to map people's gut mm-hmm. biomes, and they're going to treat mood disorders. Um, depression, anxiety, things like that. Uh, they're yeah. going to treat that and uh, insomnia, other stuff, by basically organically tweaking your gut biome. I, I, mm. That's my prediction. But So fiber is good for that, but it also is good when you eat fibrous foods, like, like broccoli or like whole grains. It, um, it fills you up faster and longer. Mm-hmm. So you have this little thing at the bottom of your intestines that... Um, is like a a trigger, and when the food when food hits that place at the bottom of your intestines, it signals to your brain. All right, we're done. You're full. We're we're done. Uh, we're done in here. We're done in here. And what happens? Stop shoveling is, food into your mouth. <laughs> when you eat like eggs or Doritos <laughs> or uh, you know candy bars, uh, it takes a it takes a long time for that stuff to get down, or meat mm. even. It takes a long time for that stuff to get down to that little trigger, and so you eat more yeah. because you're not right. feeling full yet. But when you eat fiber. It, you know, goes right through you, and it hits that trigger, and your body's like, "We're done." Uh, so, yeah. so that's that's one thing. But also, uh, the fiber foods have low calories, but they have a high, they have a lot of density to them. So you mm. could, you can, uh, you can only eat like, um, like you can fill your belly with fibrous foods pretty quickly. So you're not mm-hmm. hungry anymore, but you've also eaten like way less calories than if you're just shoveling in the Totina's pizza rolls. Yeah. Man, you, um, you, I need to truly, quit reading for school and read other just things. Just read about how not to diet. <laughs> um, and this, we can't, we can't get into it. I'm reading a book about breathing, oh boy. Uh, which is the similar, similar craziness uh, in terms of just stuff we've forgotten. So maybe in a future podcast, I'll talk about that book. And maybe Matt, when you're done with your dieting book and I'm done with my breath book, we can switch books. And then we can learn how to breathe and eat. Yeah. Well, let's <laughs> Breathing, be book- eating, just the basics. <laughs> let's be book buddies. <laughs> yeah. Book buddies. Anyway. 
today man. we've got. Um, oh, uh, before we get into oh um, talking about go. our guest, mm-hmm. I do want to commend to all of you listeners, all of you, seriously, uh, to get on our um, curated lists, uh, curated links email. Yeah. Uh, if you go to gravityleadership.com/slash/join every Friday, except when I'm on vacation. Uh, I send out a, uh, a list of links to articles um, that we have found interesting, fascinating uh, that week that kind of help us as Christian leaders to uh, navigate the times um, and kind of understand the times that we live in. And um, it's kind of theological mm-hmm. reflection plus current events, um, yeah. just kind of stuff that we're tracking. Um, anyway, so I commend it to you. And then it also allows us to um, for you to join our community and we can tell you about some of the other stuff that we do. Um, and we'd, we'd love to have you. Gravityleadership.com slash join. Join us. There you go. Yeah. It's great. It's great it's in here. It's fantastic. Well, um, we need to dive into this, yeah, to this Christy, interview. Yeah, this is it a was... guest that you, uh, you, you uh, invited on. Um, do you want to say a couple words about why you wanted to have David Galvan on? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, he is a, a good friend of mine, and we have done... We've been um, in different situations where, like, ministry-wise, we've done some things together. But mm. he really um, is so knowledgeable about death mm. by suicide and training people yeah. Yeah. Um, to ask questions, what to do in hard situations. And honestly, in this day and age, um, yeah. it is so prevalent and something that needs to be talked yeah. about. And so, yeah. and it's talked about. Uh, in incorrect and painful ways so often that I trust David. And so yeah. that's why I asked him to come on because yes, I didn't, I don't want to have somebody on here who's going to say things that I wouldn't agree with or um, right. that would communicate in ways that would bring more pain rather than healing right. and help. And yeah. so, and he does that. He brings uh, really practical, helpful yeah. um, conversation to this really difficult topic. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, especially over the pandemic, I as a pastor, I've talked with lots of uh, people whose kids, for example, have uh, had suicidal ideation for the first yep. time. You yep. know, and the, and parents are just like, "What in the world? Like, this is totally new. I have no idea what to do without." You know, it's freaking out. Yeah. Um, and I, I thought David's uh, words about this were really, really wise mm. and really helpful. So yeah, yeah. Well, let's dive in. David Galvan, thank you for being on the Gravity Podcast. Welcome. Thank you. This is an opportunity I enjoy. Well, David comes to us from Colorado Springs, and he really runs Education for Life, which is a training and a practical kind of helping people as they process and engage in helping others with suicide. Can mm-hmm. you tell us a little bit about more about Education for Life and your job and a little bit about you? Yeah, so um, Education for, for a Lifetime has been around for, uh, let's say, uh, 20 years now, a little bit more than that. And we've been able to impact students. So we do a lot of our work with students around topics of mental health and suicide, as well as relationships, because we know that relationships are the thing that are actually affecting suicide and the things that are affecting our mental mm-hmm. health. And so um, so we actually have these conversations, and I've been a part of this organization for 12 years now. I started off like anybody in a proper nonprofit organization as a volunteer uh, 
and then moved into the the parade staff role and now director for the past six, seven years now. And have just really enjoyed it and seen this process uh, continue to grow where we're now training adults in programs called Youth Mental Health First Aid. We're training churches on how to have conversations about suicide and mental health. How do we have conversations about healthy relationships, sexual activity? So it's a broad subjects, but really around suicide and mental health, we see in 2016, our cities um, had a diffusion of suicides. We had 10 students die by suicide oh, wow. in our community in two weeks. And oh, it just rocked the whole community. And a lot of these students were part of youth groups here locally. And people are like, what are we going to do to get involved? And so my organization partnered with a local counseling center where we actually developed a program to let students know that they're needed, loved, and valued and just give that message in high schools all across the city. And so we do this presentation in 25, 26 high schools here locally in Colorado Springs um, annually and each semester and just seeing um, amazing work happen through that process. That led us to getting involved with the Youth Suicide Prevention Work Group of El Paso County, where we where I chair the faith-based subgroup as well as serve on the steering committee. And through that process, we've been actually able to engage churches to begin having this conversation and build protocols on how to have the conversation about suicide. Or if you hear suicide in our congregation, what do we do um, and have that conversation? So that's kind of what's led us to today. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you're here. And you know how like when you... Uh, really like somebody you want to meet, like have them meet other people you really like, and that is happening on this podcast because awesome. uh, David, you're my friend, um, and it. of course Matt and Ben are my friends too, and so it's mm-hmm. fun to connect my people together. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm so glad that you're here. You did a mental health summit actually for our church, for my church here in Colorado Springs, not mm-hmm. too long ago, yeah. and you started out that that mental health summit with a soda bottle yes, and you shook it up. Can you just tell us, because I think it helps us all understand why do we need to have these conversations? And I felt like that illustration was just really good. Um, So can you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Yeah, um, I just went to the dentist, so I may be changing this analogy because she's like, that soda's crushing your teeth, young man. <laughs> and so uh, I actually, if you can you imagine with me, just imagine with me um, a beautiful 20-ounce Coca-Cola bottle in your hand. And you take that Coca-Cola bottle and you just begin shaking it. You're doing the very thing a three-year-old would do and just shake that bottle, shake that bottle. And then you can kind of feel that bottle actually growing intensity. It's actually just tension and it's becoming harder and harder. And mental health is much like this. There's a lot going, stirring up, shaking up in our lives and a lot of things happening in our lives during that time. And mental health causes this pressure to happen inside, much like inside that bottle. And many times in our lives, we have people come up to us and like, no, you got to get it out. You've got to talk now. And they're like the individuals that just take the bottle top and just twist the cap off. Now, if you twist that cap off, it's going to be like that Wreck-It Ralph moment when all those mementos went right inside that volcano explodes everywhere and it creates a bigger mess. But what I encourage people to do is the safest way and the healthiest way to open that bottle so that mom doesn't get mad at us is to actually take that bottle cap and slowly remove it and let some of the air out and then do it again and then do it again. And what I call those or what I equate those to are small conversations, just one conversation and one more conversation and one more conversation. And that pressure and the release and everything that's going on, you're able to have that conversation. So the question I ask is, what's shaking your bottle? 
Like what's shaking your bottle? We hear this in the church context as um, this little phrase of like, um, how's your heart? Okay. Instead mm-hmm. of saying that, we, I say, what's shaking your bottle? Like mm-hmm. what's pushing the pressure in your life? What's causing you to be where you're at? Because if we're in that tensious moment and like this pressure, 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 we're not making that connection to God. We're not making that connection to other people because of what's going on during that time. Mm-hmm. But so often as people, we think they've got to talk now. If they don't talk now, uh, but I think smaller conversations along the way are helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us. Um, my guess is all of us on this call, probably everyone listening, could probably identify somebody in their life. Um, either they've experienced a relative or a friend who's died by suicide or where they've w- maybe wanted to have that mental health conversation yeah. with somebody, uh, but they're not sure how to do it or what yeah. to say or even how to begin that because it feels overwhelming to them. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say to uh, to us and to our listeners uh, if they want to have those conversations? Uh, I would encourage you to, um, I know it's uncomfortable. Nobody wants to have this conversation because it's so sensitive. I was in a training yesterday and we do a very similar activity of encouraging people on how to ask the question. And the question is this, are you thinking about killing yourself? Are you thinking about killing yourself? That's the very clear question that you're asking. And it's because it's direct and it's not indirect. You're not like skirting around the issue and you can't say maybe to that question. I don't know. You're either going to say yes or no. You don't get to say, "Uh." so you're going to ask that direct question. Hmm. And uh, most often people like it's uncomfortable. We're fearful of hearing the answer because then we don't know what to do. Right. Right. We're like, I've your friend the whole time. I've been your friend the whole time. Mm. And I, oh gosh, but here's what was always amazing. We do this little like activity where you have to ask the question. And when you ask the question, then it gets asked of you, but nobody gets to answer it in that moment. It's just a a exercise Mm. that we're doing. Mm. Um, And they ask the question back. And every time that we've done it, everyone, I've always heard, this is like the number one response. Someone said, I never felt so cared for in my life. Mm. And I was like, are you like, I'm asking you if you're like thinking about killing yourself and you've never felt so cared for in your life. There's something about that question that transcends the moment and, and pierces the soul to look at them. And I often equate it to the woman at the well, whatever Jesus asked her pierced her so deeply. She just opened up and she Mm -hmm. changed whatever she was doing. Um, These are things that I think we see individuals all of a sudden have that reality check and say, you just went somewhere where, I didn't know that you could go, but I'm glad you went there. And so I would encourage them to ask the question. If you're going to ask the question, know your resources. What's available in your community if somebody does end up saying yes? What are you going to do there next? Mm -hmm. There's a suicide national hotline number. In the state of Colorado, we have a crisis hotline number that's available to us. There's other national numbers that are available. Uh, There's uh, numbers available for those in the LGBTQ community. Like there are numbers that are available for you all. But I would encourage you as a believer to know where your uh, – it's called National Alliance of Mental Illness. It's called NAMI. Where is your local NAMI chapter? Mm. So those individuals have uh, people for them as well. And so knowing your resources in your community is key if you're going to ask that question. But I would tell them to ask that question, especially if you're seeing signs, if you're seeing uh, hopelessness, if you're seeing them giving away prized possessions, if you're seeing them act reckless. Um, (laughs) I remember one time I was doing the training and all of a sudden this revelation came on me. I, I was talking to them. We go through this whole process. 
And I, I, I stopped the training. And I don't know if you've ever had this as an instructor or teacher realize something that you just said was so profound that it hits you so hard that you're like, no, I need that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I go, I said in the, in the training, I said, I just need somebody to ask me if I'm thinking about killing myself. Mm-hmm. Like I just, I need that depth of a question right now mm-hmm. of where I was at in that moment mm-hmm. in life. And it was just really powerful to see that. So I would encourage them to make sure and ask, especially if you're seeing those signs. Now, I'd love to ask you all, like, and 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 then put it back on you all and, and gather that information as a group. But what would be some of those signs that you would consider? Hey, if somebody's thinking about suicide, these these are probably signs they're showing. Let's let's just kind of group discuss this. Matt, what do you think? Yeah, I I think that most often I am I I just don't want to think about suicide. Like mm-hmm. I don't I. I, you know, out of sight, out of mind, and I'm and I'm like yeah. kind of keeping my fingers in my ears and keeping like blinders on, and I right. I'm hoping I never have to deal with it. Right. Uh, and then when I hear that question, are you considering ending your life? Are you considering killing yourself? Uh, my anxiety level shoots through the roof because I I, I really am looking for one answer. Yeah. I'm looking for no. Okay, no. Good. Uh, <laughs> but, but then if I get the other answer, I feel totally out of my depth. Of, yeah. of what to do, what to say. I wonder if you could speak to that, David. Like, what what are some of the ways that we can develop um, maybe a, 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 a an awareness and a resiliency of the anxiety this conversation causes? Yeah, so I was in a training. I do a lot of my trainings for youth pastors, youth leaders in our city. Um, in two and a half years, we trained close to 750 individuals with this youth mental health first aid. It's much like CPR, but for mental health. And I had a youth pastor. Any story that I share, I have permission to share. I'm not going to share if I don't. And I asked for permission to share this story at our trainings. And he says, please do. He came to the training, and it's that time to answer the, ask the question. And I just watched him. And he couldn't. He just like, nope can't do this. I can't do this. He goes, I can't see having to ask one of my students this question. Hmm. And we tell this all the time. We say in the next three to four days, you're probably going to have to use this material. And not even three days later on a Sunday at youth group, he has to ask the question to his boss's son Hmm. inside that church setting. Gosh. And I can say to this day with full, with full, um, confidence that this young man is still alive because somebody asked that question. Yes. And so I know all the anxiety that's there. Like I've felt it. Um, I've, I've been a part of those processes. I've had to ask the question at different times. I had one uh, missions pastor here locally went through the training and he, um, his uh, wife, his first wife died by suicide. Um, and he has gone through the training and then not even after he said the four weeks after Actually, he said this in an interview we just did. He walked out of the training outside. He's leaving the church and a congregation member came in and he had to ask the question. They drove in. They were like hurting. Something was going on. He literally didn't even get to his car and had to ask the question. Um, and, And when I tell people those stories, I encourage them because we don't know what one small act of asking that question could do for that person. And all that anxiety and uncomfortability that we feel and the nervousness that we feel, us pressing through that to me is the kingdom to say it's the greatest form of evangelism is to say you care for me that much that you would cross that barrier yeah. of uh, and just say and ask the question. Now, that does not negate the fact that it's still hard to ask. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah, I would, I would encourage individuals with that and then just say, you know, if they do say yes, if they do say yes. The best thing to do is be equipped with that next steps. Okay, we're going to walk this out. 
Make sure they're not in a place where they can hurt themselves. Hey, I'm going to be standing here with you. I'm going to walk with you. If you're on the phone with them, be like, keep them on the phone and drive to where they're at or, or make sure somebody else can get to them. Um, so you're walking through that process. Um, if, if you think that they're, in, of course, in immediate danger, please call 911. Right. Yeah. Please call 911. Yeah. Yeah. You, you mentioned some signs that people uh, to look for. You mentioned hopelessness, mm-hmm. giving away things. Could you maybe yeah. name a few more of those for us? Because I, yeah. I don't think most of us are waking up with a radar, a suicide radar most days. And so it'd be really helpful if we could get some things we should pay attention to. Definitely. Have you ever, like, I always think about this, you know, when you went to go buy a new car, like a new to you car, um, <laughs> I've never bought a brand new car myself, but a new to you car. And all of a sudden you start to realize everybody has your car. You're like, right. you've got you my car everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. You see it everywhere. I just recently bought like a 2018 Chevy Equinox green, like Ivy metallic green. It's yeah. like the most far out there color, right? I come to find out somebody who works really closely with us in our, in our stream, um, <laughs> has the same exact color car and the, the whole thing. And I'm like, it's green. How do you have this? Um, but it's not until we notice. We, it's our noticing, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so the signs that I'm going to talk about is to, uh, is to increase our noticing. It's not to diagnose people, but it's to increase our awareness yeah. of what's going on around us so that we can help people. So if there are individuals that are like, you know, they, they're talking about death more often or they're saying things like, uh, people really don't need me. I'm really not worth people's time. Um, you know, stuff like that is definitely going to be that. Or they're like tying up loose ends. You start to notice that they're like, mm. like, they're like starting to do a lot more of that. And you're like, huh, I wonder what's going on. I wonder what's happening there. Maybe they're withdrawing from friends. Like all of a sudden they're like withdrawing, withdrawing, withdrawing from friends, family, small groups that they were in previously, volunteer roles that they were in previously. Uh, they're being, they're like a lot more anxious or agitated on a regular basis. And you're like, man, something might be going on. Um, again, these aren't, um, automatics that somebody's thinking about it. These are things to, uh, alert us to say, Hey, something's happening here. Or they talk about feeling trapped. They're like, I I just can't get out of this. I I just can't get out of this. Um, that's an idea there, uh, engaging in like reckless behavior. So maybe it's like a congregate member that's like all of a sudden, like just dating whoever. And like, they're going out like a lot more often and you're just seeing a different person than they typically are. That's somewhere to look for. Um, they're maybe writing or posting things online that seem hopeless, that you can see that through what they're posting on social media um, and, and they're giving away stuff. So those are all things that I would say. Now, here's the biggest thing for us as individuals. What we should realize or what we need to pay attention to is um, we are a conduit to care. As congregation members, mm. we're a conduit to care. And we are to be those – We're not if we're not the professional counselor or licensed therapist – We don't need to step in and be that role. Mm -hmm. And I would also encourage that to pastors as well. Pastors Mm -hmm. typically have a biblical counseling, but they don't have counseling like a DSM-6 right now that we're at. They don't Mm -hmm. have that role. So we are to be a conduit to care. As a pastor, I'm going to take that individual and connect them to a counselor that has that profession. And I always tell people – Jesus was about to roll out, and he's like, all right, I got to go. And everyone's like, don't leave, don't leave. And and uh, and he's like, no, I got to leave you a counselor. I'm going to leave you a counselor. And it's like the last mm. person that we send people to. Mm. Now, do I believe the Holy Spirit moves in moments? And I, do I believe that he speaks to us in moments? Yes. But I also believe that he gives us wisdom yeah. to utilize and leverage those that he has given that wisdom to to help individuals through those processes. So those would be the signs, and how do we get that person to – now, we sh- one thing I will say is um, 
with no exception. We must take every thought, we must take every um, expressed thought of suicide seriously. It can't be just like, a, oh, it's okay. You know what I mean? No, we got to take yeah. it and like have a real conversation about that, um, which could lead to another topic that I discuss here momentarily. But yeah, we've got to take them with no exception if somebody expresses it yeah. during that time. This podcast is brought to you by Gravity Leadership Academy, our 10-month online training intensive for Christian leaders who want to root their life and leadership in God's love and bring lasting transformation to their culture. In Gravity Leadership Academy, you'll learn the real-life practicalities of how to notice God's presence and activity in and around you so you can participate more fully in God's life and mission and open up space for those around you to do so too. We've worked really hard to make this training in missional leadership practical and doable. To find out more about Gravity Leadership Academy, visit gravityleadership.com slash academy. David, I wonder if you could, um, I think there's a lot of, um, I don't know, misinformation and mm. um, baggage that people have about, about suicide. Yeah. Um, can you give us some, like if you, you know, you know, you, you gird up your loins and you ask the question and somebody says, yes, can you get like, that's, that's wonderful. Like let's connect them to care. Let's walk with them through it. What yeah. should we not do? Are there, are there specific things that you see, especially Christians say or do that, that are like, Hey, don't, don't do this. Yeah. Yeah. Those are uh, some of my favorites and here's why. <laughs> um, because we all do them out of the <laughs> genuine care of our hearts, the innocence yeah. of it, we do it. Yeah. Um, and so uh, this is a great opportunity to talk about a word called stigma. Um, if you look at the word stigma, it's actually defined as a mark of disgrace on someone or something. Mm. It's synonymous with shame, disgrace, and dishonor. <laughs> and it's really interesting how much stigma is within the church context around issues like this yeah. or yeah. even other things. We see this often, right? So uh, stigma comes out in language. And I was told mm -hmm. this by an instructor a long time ago. Uh, whoever controls the language controls the culture. Yeah. And, and it's often hard for us to stop and think about what are we communicating and how it could be affecting other people. Yeah. And sometimes we've, we've developed – I call them um, – this is no knock on Mardell's, but I call them our Mardell's framings. And whatever is, like, written on those frames sometimes have become these, like, Christian cliche things that we say for any moment, right? Joy comes in the morning, you know, or we'll say, like, uh, you're, you know, uh, this moment's not always going to be this moment. Or we'll say stuff like that. Now, we'll put a silver lining around it, but individuals where they're uh, considering suicide or navigating mental illness don't necessarily need a silver lining. They need somebody who's willing to walk alongside them. And not cast shame or guilt or condemnation on them because of their illness hmm. and so or because of the thoughts of suicide. And so stigma is one of those ways. And, and I'm uh, curious, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll prep us with some and, and get us going, prime us with some of those. I'm curious with some of the ones that you've heard in the church context as, as maybe stigmatizing phrases that kind hmm. of like – could put somebody in an uncomfortable position or maybe things that we shouldn't do. And so one of them is like, oh, bless your heart. Like somebody tells you something very difficult. Oh, bless your heart. Yeah. Um, what are some of the ones that you may have heard of? <laughs> that may be a stigmatizing phrase. Mm. I, uh, I don't know if it qualifies, but I, I think there's a, 
there's like a there's there's like you yeah you turn it into a moral issue, mm-hmm. right? Well, you know you know that's wrong. You yeah. know, like you know, and we and we try to like we try to prevent people from mm. uh, pr- prevent people from from doing it mm. by sort of like mm. moralizing mm. it yeah. and saying it's wrong. Yeah, there must be sin in your life. There must Ooh. be some type of sin in your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We we've even heard people say things like, um, "Well, God never gives you more than you can handle." Yeah. Like, yeah. no, no, yep. So it's it must be trying to teach you something, Ooh. you know, yeah. or. Yeah. Um, here's some scriptures. I love like yeah. the prescription scriptures. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. All right, here's a take three of these a day, and you'll be good to go. <laughs> and like, but maybe that's not what they need in that moment. Right. They need right. they need flesh on flesh. And I think often sometimes we forget that Jesus came as flesh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If that wasn't part of his strategy for us to be as believers, then why would he have done it? Because he could have came in spirit. Right. He mm-hmm. could have still solely in spirit. So. Yeah. Any others that you've heard as maybe stigmatizing phrase church context wise? I'm just thinking of all the cliches. Like if God brought you to it, he'll bring you through it. I I think blaming, blaming God for like depression and blaming God for hopelessness, you know, like um, this is God's will. And, and and then people tend to gaslight their own Christian conscience because they think, mm-hmm. A, I'm causing this depression or this sadness or this yep. hopelessness. B, I deserve yep. it. C, it's God's will yeah. for me. Why can't I? You know what I'm saying? Like, th- there's yep. all kinds mm-hmm. of just really negative the- theology, like bad theology, yeah. that we yeah. we load onto people and they it crushes them. You know, and go ahead, Chrissy. I was just going to say, I was thinking, uh, we had a family member who died by suicide. Mm. And I remember the morning of the funeral, somebody came to me. And sat down. I was at a hotel and eating breakfast, and um, and they came up and they said, "We're just really trusting that this is what God wanted." Uh, and yeah. I was like, "This is not what God wanted. No, God wanted someone to ask this person, are you thinking of killing yourself?' That's yes. what God wanted. Yeah. Yes. And um, it. Oh my goodness! It like hit my heart in a way that I didn't realize when people kind of say those things. Mm-hmm. It not only is like not okay, it can be damaging yeah, to right. the person who's hearing it. Yeah. Um, so just realizing there are good things to say. Yeah. There are also things just not to say. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, I, one of the, if you just had more faith, yeah. if you right. just had more faith and, um, and, and those contexts. So now we see this like bigger idea. And even to your point, Christy, like, I don't think God wanted death at all. He says, scripturally, it says, Jesus came to give life and life abundantly. And so I don't think that's his plan for any of us. He wants us to have eternal life in that moment. And so these are things that we as 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 believers, I think even something you just said there right now, Christy, even the languaging of saying death by suicide versus committed suicide. You, when we think about committed, we think about this idea of you committed sin, committed adultery, and it categorizes it into that sin category, much like Ben was mm-hmm. talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. We categorize it. uh, Death by suicide or somebody taking their life is a cry for help. And this was their last sign of hope. They're like, there's no other, there's no other way. There's no other way. I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. And, and we hear often they're like, well, they're hurting more people in the midst of that. They're hurting mm-hmm. way more people in the midst of that. You're, and, and, and we do these guilt mm-hmm. trips. There's going to be so many people that miss you. Mm-hmm. You're so loved, though. And here's mm-hmm. the deal. In that one moment, that person can't think through that, I, through that lens. Huh. They right. can't. Yeah. They need yeah. someone that's going to sit there with them and be present. Yeah. 
Jesus came in flesh to be present in front of people, manifested himself as a human, the Imago Dei, so that he could be present. And even to something that you said, Matt, this idea that like – I'm gathering it back with with suicide as a conversation topic. People need to know that when we have the conversation about suicide, we're not trying to um, glorify at all suicide. We're not trying to glorify that at all. What we're trying to do is to help people through that process to say, you know what? Suicide is discussed in the Bible. Okay, this is not a myth. If you look at the Bible, people are always like, suicide's not in the Bible. And I'm like, do you know every Easter we talk about a suicide? And we gloss over it, just so you all know. Mm. It's Suicide is one of the most um, intricate topics with woven in, in inside of the scriptures in some pretty, uh, like, big moments. Um, when Jesus is about to go to the cross, Judas, in his moment, decides that suicide is it. And you know what Jesus did to Judas before that? Kissed him on the cheek and said, go and do what you need to do. Like literally looked at him and said, I've, I've done everything I can for you. I've done everything I can. You still get to make a cho- choice, Judas. Like I can't make that choice for you. And and it, just such a deep love for Judas. He was so deeply in love with Judas that he let Judas stay with him the entire time as one of the 12 disciples, the entire time, the apostles, the entire time he was there loving on him, caring for them, and still in that moment. And so this is an encouragement to those that have lost individuals to suicide. You may have done everything you could and still lost someone to suicide because they still get to make a choice. They still get to make that choice. And so when this topic of suicide is is discussed with the church, number one, it's talked about in the Bible. Number two, um, in different denominations and theologies, we think about this idea and they're like, well, it's like, it's, it's, it's totally a sin. Mm. It's totally, it has to be a sin. Mm. And, 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 and when I get into that conversation, I said, are we wrestling about somebody's sin when they're dead now? We're like, oh, they're dead. So it must've been a sin. It's a sin. Mm. Are we worried about so much focused on the sin matter or the actual heart of that mm. individual right now mm. and the family that's still here because they're now at risk for this because yeah. of suicide they say can have contagion. It's not contagious. It's a diffusion as a ripple effect, essentially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so um, I always tell people if they try to get on the sin topic about it, I was like, why are we wrestling over the sin topic? Why don't we wrestle over the hearts that are still here and help them continue yeah. to thrive and grieve through this process? Yeah. You said something, David, and I don't, I don't want to move past it too quickly. You, you, There may be some people listening here. I mean, Chrissy, you just referenced um, a suicide in your family. Uh, I think... Those, those who have been touched by suicide often replay in their minds, what could I have done differently? How, yeah. how did yes. I, how was I complicit? How was I blind? Did I contribute to this? How am I responsible for this? And there's, yeah. there's, a, there's a shame and a guilt of I didn't do enough or I did too much, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah. I, I just want to maybe double click on the fact that like, hmm. like one of Jesus's closest friends committed suicide. Yeah. And it, it wasn't Jesus's fault. Mm. <laughs> and and I, I think there may be some listeners who need to hear, f- mm. like a, f- a release, yeah, yeah. or a f- um a, f- a freedom, f- yeah, you know. And I just don't, I just don't want to move too quickly past that. No, I appreciate the pause on that. Many of us. As, as believers, we have a heart and a desire to help people. We care. Yeah. We care deeply for people. And part of the grieving process is asking those questions. Yeah. What could I have done? What, what could I have said? What could have? And the, all the what ifs that are in that process. 
And as a word of hope today, I would say, just as a word of encouragement and hope, that you're not alone, that you're not alone, that you're not alone in this and that Jesus feels your pain in the midst of this. Like there, there's like he, like, just like you said, Matt, he lost his own friend to this. Mm. Mm. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to say this, not that you need it, but I'm going to give permission today for you to hurt mm. and permission today for you to question. Mm. Oftentimes when individuals are in this situation, they don't feel like they can question God about this. And my wife says this so beautifully. She always says, God's bigger than your questions. Mm -hmm. And people are like, no, but that means I'm wrestling with my faith. And I'm like, that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. That's a marvelous thing in the midst of this. But um, I would encourage you, if you've had that or if you're in that what-if zone, to make sure, to to encourage you to to grieve well. And don't Mm -hmm. let somebody put a timeline on your grief process. In our westernized culture, we say we have the funeral done. You're done grieving. It's Let's move on. We got to keep going. Mm-hmm. But in the biblical context, it was done within that eastern culture. They like mourn for weeks. Yeah. Like they walk through the city mourning. And so today, if you're listening, mm. your mourning is valid. Mm. Your mm. grief is valid. Your pain is valid. And we mourn with you. We hurt with you. Um, I myself have been through that. I've lost youth pastor friends and, and I was with them like the week before Mm. and, um, and I didn't see any of these signs. Mm. Um, I've had a sister that had a suicide attempt and we've almost lost her. Mm. And what if, like, if I saw this or if I was around more, um, Mm. so we lament with you today. I think I need to breathe that in, David. So thank you. Thank you. David, I heard you um, at our mental health summit, I think, or maybe it was a training I was at, but you used Acts 16 um, in a way that I had had probably never thought of um, before as a way, you know, as a church, as Christians, our, our message to people who are contemplating suicide, who are thinking of killing themselves, our message to them should be, we're right here. Yeah. And, um, and you took that. I'm just going to read the passage. I'd love for you to kind of uh, share a little bit. But in Acts 16, you know, Paul and Silas have been in jail um, and – They've been singing and praising God, and the, the, their chains fall off, and the doors are opened. And all of a sudden, um, the jailer realizes, oh, my goodness, like my prisoners are going to be freed. And mm-hmm. if his prisoners are freed, he's going to get killed. And yep. so um, so it, kind of out of response, I think, to that fear, uh, this is what it says in Acts 16, 27, when the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, He drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. Hmm. Can you just 
when you when you shared that message, uh, your explanation for that hit hit a, hit me as a family yeah. pastor in a in a powerful way. Can you just chat about that for a minute? Yeah. Um, you know, that jailer was experiencing what I said, feeling trapped. That moment of feeling trapped. Everything had just gone. I, I, I find that moment intriguing because Paul and Silas were being indicted by the magistrates at that time. Everyone's like, he, they had just been beaten with rods. They're, they're literally naked. They're jailers' responsibility. And then an earthquake happens, and some people are like, well, God made that earthquake happen. I don't know. I'm not there to question that. But an earthquake happened. And, and all these chains fell off and, and doors went open and, and he awoke. And, and um, I think sometimes we have earthquake moments in our lives that just shake us to the, like, just shake us. And, and we don't know what to do. And our response is, I'm done. Hmm. I'm done. Like, I'm done. I've, I've, my family's destroyed. I'm done. You know, right now, the, the most at-risk individual for suicide is a middle-aged Caucasian male. Hmm. Like, the, they're done. They're like, I, my job, like I can't make enough finances. Um, a mom that can't provide for their kids, whatever that may be, like that earthquake moment in that moment. And then I, and I think about that. And then Paul it says, but Paul shouted, Paul cried out. Some translations say, Paul cried out, don't kill yourself. We're all here. Don't kill yourself. We're all here. And I encourage churches and I encourage believers to let people know that we're all here. Does your neighborhood know that you're all here? Does your family know that you're here? But here's what's interesting about that. In our faith uh, context, often we want to like turn on the lights first and then then do our message. But in this case, it was done in the darkness. And how do I know? Because verse 29 says this, then the jailer called for the lights. <laughs> In the midst of darkness, as a believer, Paul's in the midst of darkness, and he goes into the darkness. Paul cannot see the jailer, Paul can, unless like moonlight shining. I don't know. But Paul, in the empathy that he had deep woven inside of him, knew that there's somebody in there that needed help, so I'm going to cry out, don't kill yourself, we're all here. And I think about that often because... As a church, we should be crying out in the darkness of our neighborhoods, those that are hurting, those that are in the darkness. We're all here. We're all here. Don't kill yourself. We're all here. Don't have another abortion. We're all here. Don't have another suicide. We're all here. Don't, don't, don't have another molestation. We're all here. I mean, literally, in the darkness. And then this is what's powerful about that. That that cry, that cry transformed not only that jailer, because it said, then the jailer runs out to the feet of Paul and Silas, and he says this phrase, what must I do to be saved? Mm -hmm. And that day, and, and you read, keep reading on, 33, 34, it says, that house, that jailer and his household were saved, baptized that day. Yeah. Mm. So one family, an entire family, not just one person, an entire family and most likely lineage was transformed because one person in the midst of darkness shouted, don't kill yourself. We're all here yeah. in the midst of that. And so I find that scripture when we talk about suicide, I was like, hey, you want to talk about suicide in scripture? Wow. Let's let's talk about what does it look like for people to know that we're all here and mm -hmm. we're not going to stigmatize you. We're not going to cast shame on you because you're thinking about suicide. Many of us have thought about suicide yeah. like, or, or we've thought about hopelessness. And we're like, we're done. Mm -hmm. Suicide thoughts are common. Mm -hmm. 
They're not uncommon. They're common. If we if we make that a narrative and help people understand that, then people don't feel alone and they're like, man, I must be just totally weird. I must not have enough faith because if I had enough faith in Jesus, like I wouldn't have these thoughts. No, mm-hmm. it's very true. And 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 people always people question me and come at me and that's fine. But I always look at Jesus's life when he was in that 40 days of, of fasting, like in the 40 days of wilderness. And there's a moment in there where um, the the enemy says to him, <laughs> he takes him to the tallest building and he says, jump. <laughs> he literally says, jump. And I talk to people all the time and I'm like, you think that Jesus was never tempted by suicide? Like the enemy literally told him to jump off of a building <laughs> And I find that interesting because one of the, like, hallmark places in our world where suicides happen is at the highest bridge in, in Golden, the Golden Gate Bridge. The Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco is where a lot of suicides happen. Mm-hmm. And right now, actually, praise the Lord, they're actually building a net underneath the bridge. Oh, cool. That, that, that'll, that, so that people, if they try to jump, they, they can't. Mm. And so they're doing that process now uh, because of some other guy and, and others individuals that had a suicide attempt. He had jumped mm. off that bridge, but he stayed alive mm. and he goes around tells his story. So, mm. yeah. So that's what, when I see that scripture, that's what I think about. And that's like, that's my hallmark. Like yeah. it's inside of me. Whereas I just want, we're all here. Like as a community, mm. as a faith community, we're mm. all here. Yeah. I think Sweet our word. listeners probably needed to hear that. Um, we need to share that right with our friends, with our community, yeah. with their families, with their yeah. churches. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so thank you for that. I want to respect your time, David. Um, just, it, just last things that are kind of on your heart that you're like, oh, if I don't say this, I'm gonna like be so sad and regret <laughs> it. Uh, what are those things? I would say, as a community of faith believers, that mental health and suicide should not be a taboo taboo subject or an uncomfortable subject for us. It takes time to grow into, I understand, just like any new exercise or anything that we bring new in our lives. But if we can create a, a narrative within our faith communities that we can talk about mm-hmm. these issues of mental health illnesses and disorders and that we can have a safe place to discuss these ideas and to provide hope to individuals, that we could transform the world. And I ask individuals all the time that as an individual and as a person and, in, and what I do— mm-hmm. I want to provide help, healing, and hope to every situation that I come into so that people know that at the end of the day, that if I'm dealing with mental health illness, like I can go and I can talk about that and I can walk through that. A few resources that I would refer people to from a faith context, um, there's one called Darkness is My Only Companion, A Christian Response to Mental Illness by Catherine Green McKnight. She's actually a... um, uh, a chaplain at the Episcopal Church at Yale, and she's been there. She's a phenomenal resource. I'll make sure and email these to you all, and you have them. But this is a great resource. She talks about uh, living with living with bipolar. Not that she has it, but she's living with. That's a change of language. They live with their illness. They don't just have that. We don't label them with that. Uh, another resource is Matthew Stanford's. This is like, like. Grace for the Afflicted is like the book that you use for this. It's a clinical and biblical perspective on mental illness. Has a lot of good resources if you're interested in this. And then lastly, a book called Troubled Minds. Troubled Minds is Mental Illness and the Church's Mission by Amy Simpson. Her mom was diagnosed uh, with schizophrenia. They were going out to a mission field. Nobody knew what to do. The church exiled them. Mm-hmm. And then they, she started to hear other people in that same situation and were bringing hope to others. And so 
those are three resources I would bring on a practical level. If you can get trained in mental health first aid for adults or youth mental health first aid, I would encourage you to do that. Mm. Um, it's it's uh, it's like CPR. So you're not going to get like a biblical lesson on this. You're going to get practical, real training on how to identify these things, look for signs, symptoms, risk factors, and protective factors. The last thing I would say is this. Hope is always available. Mm-hmm. Hope is always available. Uh, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for being individuals that champion the message of not only hope, but of removing the taboo um, on the subjects of mental health illness as well as suicide. Thank you all for mm-hmm. letting me be a part of today. David. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Yeah, hey, thanks David, for can you just heart. plug your pluggables? Where can people find you? Um <clears throat> Whether that's like Instagram or what? Yeah, you can find me at your local local coffee shop. But no, um, <laughs> I, uh, you can actually find me. The best way to find me is just to uh, – I'm just really old school. So you can find me on Facebook. Like I'm, I watch Instagram and I make TikToks, but, you know, I'm a total different person. Um, <laughs> but you can just find me. My, my name's David and the last name's Galvan, G-A-L, V as in Victor, A-N. Um, you can find me on there. I'm the good looking one out of all of them. Or you could just email me. Just go ahead and email me. Um, and you can email me at dgalvon at EFL, so elephantfrankliononline.org. So that would be the best way to do that. And we'll provide any information. Uh, there's other organizations that we can work you through and help you with. So we're always looking to partner people like that. I'm actually doing a call next Thursday with organization out in San Francisco to replicate the model that we've created here to help Mm. them in their community as well. Mm. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, David. Really appreciate your time, your words. Really actually appreciate who you are. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, you. Just Mm -hmm. really love you, man. So thanks for being with us. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Our show is produced by Ben Sternke, Matt Tebby, and Ben Hardman. Aaron Sternke does our mixing and mastering. You can check out his work at aaronsternke.com. If you find our podcast helpful, share it with your friends in person and on social media. And don't forget to rate and review us online as well as subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can join our Gravity community for free at gravityleadership.com join. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles we found interesting or helpful. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com join. And hey, we'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, make a comment, send us an idea, a recommendation, recipe, whatever. You can email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com. Catch you next time. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.